Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's podcast interview with Lacey Williams-Carlson, CIO at Roper St. Francis Healthcare. In this segment, Williams-Carlson talks about what she found to be the most powerful lessons learned from COVID and how she hopes to leverage that knowledge, why she's such a big believer in establishing guiding principles up front, and how her views on being a female IT leader have evolved over the years. With some organizations during the past year, we did see a recognition of what IT can do and what IT really has been doing. But I think that there was that awareness of how hard IT had worked during especially the early days of COVID. And I think that for some people, the thinking was, how can we kind of keep this going? Or, you know, how can we really kind of capitalize on that? Oh, I, I could not agree with you more. So recalling that I've just been with Roper St. Francis since mid-January and spent all of 2020 with Bonsacore Mercy, absolutely, I think it was eye-opening to the organization how quickly we stood up capabilities for virtual visits. We were that health system that Judy Faulkner quoted about having fewer than 50 virtual visits pre-pandemic across our entire health system, and then within a month having a day where we had over 8,000 virtual visits in Mm -hmm. one day. So the capability was there, just not the burning platform of both providers and patients feeling like they wanted to do virtual visits. So that was um, an immense source of pride for me that our, our team was able to step up and build on that infrastructure that was already there to do that. Also, the many changes that we made in our EPIC system um, to accommodate new workflows for COVID units and new dashboards and so forth. There's just a lot of great work. And I did reflect on why were we able to get so much done so much more quickly Mm -hmm. during the pandemic than in a typical business year. And I think there were a couple of key things. And actually, I, I hope to, I wish I could bottle that but without a pandemic, obviously. Right, right. Um, but I do hope to use some of this as lessons learned with our EPIC implementation. So the first thing that was obvious to me is the power of having the entire organization aligned on a common objective. I think mm. in a typical business year, the CIO and his or her team are trying to meet a variety of agendas and needs. Right. So just because one region has such and such as their top priority doesn't mean it's shared across the organization. And so when you're left to juggle multiple priorities and there's not just one number one, there's 10 number ones, the effort isn't as intense as when from the top down, not just in IT, but in operations, everyone's pulling in the same direction. Whereas with the pandemic, for a change, we could say, we're setting these five other major goals to the side right now because we're focused on this and and got zero arguments, right? Any other this year, there would be multiple stakeholders with, with different initiatives. So the power of being aligned on a common initiative from the top down, operations, technology, everything, I think is huge. And to me, that was the, the biggest lesson. Obviously, another lesson was to, to not squander a crisis, right? Mm. There's always positives or glass half full aspects of a crisis and some of the things that we were able to do or leverage um, to respond to the needs, I think, will continue um, to serve as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Those are really good points. And like you said, if you could just take away 
<laughs> the pandemic part and right get that uh, yeah, yeah still have that that, that shared focus <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> okay and you had mentioned before revenue cycle is that's another objective for this coming year or years <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And since we're going to be working with Ensemble on our EPIC implementation, they're really good at what they do. And of course, I worked with them in Bon Secours Mercy. So look forward to leveraging their expertise in our implementation. Okay. And when you look back at some of the implementations you've done over the years, you had mentioned that that governance really stands out as, as being something that's so important. Mm-hmm. In your role now, is that something where you feel like that it is in place or how do you think that you'll approach, you know, trying to really make sure that that, that, that governance is there from the get-go? Oh, what a good question. It is the area that's taking the biggest amount of my time right now is structuring the right governance for the implementation and oversight. We have a really robust IT steering committee that we will parlay into a a major role with the implementation as well as, as spinning off other teams. I'm a big believer in establishing guiding principles. So once you do that hard work up front of getting everyone aligned and making tough decisions around guiding principles, then you only have to answer that question once. And then every time and you reach a pivot point in the design, you know, are we going to do this thing that makes it easier for caregivers, but is a little kludgy for patients or vice versa? If you've already said the number one overarching design principle is do what's best for the patient, then you just look to that guiding principle and you have your answer, right? So yeah. I believe in spending a lot of time up front on making tough decisions around guiding principles, and we're in the midst of that even as we speak, and also guiding principles about So it'll be 18 months or so uh, while we are continuing to use the systems that are currently in place in our organization. You don't want to just tread water for 18 months. So we need to be really thoughtful about where do we continue to invest and improve in those systems. And also, let's not invest a lot of money in throwaway work. So we have some guiding principles that we've developed around that as well. I love guiding principles because if you do them right, they're not motherhood and apple pie. They're, you know, there's things you should argue about. So um, some of the principles that we've proposed to be reviewed soon are, as I mentioned, um, getting it right for the patient and trumps all other design considerations. Mm-hmm doing what's best for the needs overall of the health system versus one specialty or one site is another one we're going to propose. We'll see how that <laughs> that works. Right, out. Right. See how that could that could lead to some robust discussions. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not the easy thing to do. I mean, it's like so many aspects of leadership. It's not the easy way, but you know, you're looking at the long-term benefits even if you have to have right. those robust discussions. You have yeah. to keep your eye on on the goal. Right. Yeah, I think it's really probably the most important step to getting it right is to articulate those. And even where people aren't in love with them, to have consensus and um, use those as your North Star. Right. Right. And, And that's where I'm sure, you know, governance comes into play, too, and making sure that it's not just coming from the the tippity top, but it's coming from other leaders throughout the organization. Right. Exactly. So now, for the most part, are you remote at this point, or are you uh, 
hybrid or how how has that been working so far? <laughs> hybrid and actually probably spending more time in the office with the executive team um, than not, which I love. As I said, being embedded uh, with the rest of the leadership team and Thank goodness we're starting to really see progress with vaccinations and so um, really enjoying being back together in person and typically at least three days of my work week I'm in office in one location or another. So I'm really enjoying that. I thrive on being with people and um, I also love working remote because I always feel like those days you can be totally selfish in checking off the things on your work to-do list versus mm-hmm. everybody else's. But then you realize as a leader, your job is to make sure you're meeting all those other needs as well. So right now it's a, it's a hybrid. Yeah. But it, like you said, there are pros and cons to that. Absolutely. Okay. You know, it's really interesting. So with Bon Secours Mercy, the pandemic hit a solid year after the merger and um, the team had been together for over 18 months and really formed those personal relationships so that then the pivot to remote work sustained us. We had already built those Mm -hmm. high trust relationships. I always was grateful for that, you know, if it had happened earlier in the merger so that you hadn't yet established those relationships and you were working remote, that that feels like it would have been not a wonderful thing. So I'm thankful that A, I already had built a lot of those relationships with Roper St. Francis and B, I arrived at a time when it was okay to start being more present with the rest of the team because I think building personal relationships over a computer screen only goes so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So the last thing I wanted to ask was, when you think about your leadership philosophy, I'm sure that it has evolved over the years, but is there any way that you can think of in which it's really particularly notable? Like, um, or do you think it's just kind of been a steady growth? Hmm. That is such an interesting question. Absolutely. I would say that it's evolved and I'll share a, a couple of thoughts I have. One thing that's evolved is my sense of what the role of being a female executive means. So I was just talking to a colleague about this the other day. Early in my career, I think it's fair to say I I started in that environment where there was a sense that women had to work twice as hard to get half the credit that a man did. Mm. So I was starting in the early 80s in my career and And I started in finance and I can remember senior partners of our auditing firm walking in and seeing me and asking me to go fetch some coffee. (laughs) And then I would do that. And then later I would hand it to them and then sit down and say, I am the person that you came to meet with. And of course they would be mortified, but so really thankfully that's evolved quite a bit. At that time, early in my career, if you'd asked me about being a female leader, my answer would have been, I don't look at gender. I just want to be the best CFO or the best CIO, irrespective of gender. And I really believe that. And I think in the last 10 years, my thoughts about that have evolved. First, when I became the CIO for Bon Secours Health System, I would have other females walk up to me, including some of the sisters of Bon Secours. And just talk about how proud they were that their CIO was a female. 
so that made me pause and say, okay, if maybe I'm discounting it, this aspect of being a female leader, but others aren't. So then I started to sort of pay attention to what responsibilities do I have? as a female Mm -hmm. leader in helping others and not sort of discounting some of the challenges and maybe opportunities that I have as a female leader. So that's something that's definitely evolved over my career, sort of embracing what those nuances are about female leadership. Happily in healthcare and especially Catholic healthcare um, led by sisters, I always saw great examples of female leaders all around me, Um, not necessarily in IT, but across the healthcare system. Another thing that has evolved for me is that I do have a different appreciation of work-life balance now, and I would readily say that I work to live, not the other way around. I still work very hard and am hard charging and um, get comments about that (laughs) every day. Um, However, I would like to think that I've learned to stop and smell the roses a little bit more. I'm actually, my husband's working in the room next to me. I'm waiting for for him to walk in and say, really? Why did that start? (laughs) Right, right. But, But I do think that I am more appreciative now of the value of recharging one's batteries and lifting your head up from the work environment and Quite frankly, if the only thing you care about is work performance, there's even value in um, unplugging for a while and revisiting work with more information from outside of your bubble and a chance to recharge your batteries and be more innovative and creative. So I, I think those are definitely two ways in which I've evolved over the duration of my career. Yeah, and those really are great examples of evolving um, because, you know, I I can really understand why you would have taken that viewpoint being a a woman in a leadership role. But then I think it's so important to to keep an open mind and to be willing to look at things differently. That shows um, growth, I believe. Thank you for saying that. I think diversity of all kinds, race, gender, ethnicity are something that the way we think about it has evolved a lot um, during my work career. You know, early on, it was sort of, we're all the same. We all have the same agenda. We all want the same things in the end. So there was a sort of a sense that differences should be minimized instead of Mm, celebrated and used as a source of strength. Yeah, I could not agree more. And I like also what you said about um, I don't want to say work-life balance because I, I don't really think that's the right way of putting it. And that's, you know, the term is kind of on its way out. But but yeah, in, in trying to uh, achieve some sort of balance and how it, it really can make you a, a better person, a better leader. And it's so nice to see that more attention is being paid to that. You know, you say such a funny thing, work-life balance, that term's on its way out. <laughs> I don't know why that would be. Um During the pandemic, though, I know for some of those really intense times, sort of late spring, I saw um, a joke where it says we should not be using the term working from home. We should be using the term sleeping at work. And I was like, amen to that, brother, because (laughs) there are some long, long days happening and you're not attached um, in a physical way to your team in the ways that you had been. It sort of was a lot of Groundhog Days there, but... And it's nice to see it sort of swinging back to something that's a more healthy balance. Yeah, definitely. Okay. 
we've um, we've definitely covered a lot, and um, I really appreciate it that you're taking the time. I really love speaking with you, and I hope we can connect again down the road and then see how things are going there. Oh, thanks, Kate. It's always great to speak with you as well. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.